please turn with me in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 4. Deuteronomy chapter 4. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, this evening we're going to be looking at verses 11 to verse number 24. Deuteronomy chapter 4, beginning in verse 11. And ye came near and stood under the mountain, and the mountain burned with fire unto the midst of heaven, with darkness, clouds, and thick darkness. And the Lord spake unto you out of the midst of the fire. He heard the voice of the words, but not saw no similitude, only he heard the voice. All the way down to verse number 24. For the Lord thy God is a consuming fire, even a jealous God. And this text will be looked at under the following title, The Voice of God, The Voice of God. A person's voice is special. Especially of a loved one. A dearly loved one. I think we often sense that if we've lost someone special. Perhaps a dear close relative. Or perhaps a husband or a wife. Someone in your family you're very close to. You love the sound of their voice. And you miss it. You wish... To be able to hear the voice of your dear friend once more. The voice of a dearly loved one is very special. And the boys and girls who are here this evening. Whenever your daddy's away at work. And you come home. He comes home. And you hear his voice. There's something inside you. That is glad to hear the voice of your father coming home. From a hard day's work. Or perhaps your mother has gone away. Maybe she's gone away to go on holiday for a while. And then comes back. You're happy to hear her voice once more. It's comforting. It's soothing. And we have many examples of such voices in our lives. That comfort us. And encourage us. And strengthen us. But they're all... Mere creatures, like you or I, of the dust of the earth. And because we've been created in the image of God, we have been made to communicate with one another. God communicates graciously with us creatures. That's a wonderful privilege that we have. That God would come down to us mere creatures. Yes, we're sinners. But the fact that we're just creatures, that the Lord would speak to us, that is so, so special. It's not like anything else in this world. Various things happen to Moses and the people of God as they come out of exile. In fact, before that, To show that the voice of God is different to every other voice in the world. 
God's voice is to be followed. From a very young age, one of the first things a baby will recognize is their mother's voice. Maybe the first time they ever smile and are glad. Are we glad when we hear our Father's voice? And that's what our soul does when the Lord has changed you and you hear the sound of the Lord's voice in the scriptures as we have it today, revealed to us within us because we're children of God. We have joy. Our soul is lifted up because we hear his voice. In our text, Moses is preaching. He's preaching before God's people. In this text, Moses points out as well that he cannot enter the land. This is all for their sake, it is pointed out. It's God's will. And a lot of the book of Deuteronomy is really Moses' final thoughts, final exhortations to the people of God before he passes over the leadership to Joshua. Before they go in to take their inheritance. Pleading with them to listen. And the thing he's pointing out here in our text. Is how special is the voice of God. That is what is to lead them. Not the idols of the nations. The voice of God. Heaven is for the one who loves the voice of God. If you're here this evening and you love the voice of God, heaven is your home. But if you do not love the voice of God, hell is your home. So as we look at verses 11 to verse number 24, may it teach us about the voice of God. What it communicates to us, how special it is, how it is different to every other voice in this world Our first point is number one, the voice of awe and power. Number one, the voice of awe and power. Verse number 11. And he came near and stood under the mountain. And the mountain burned with fire unto the midst of heaven with darkness, clouds, and thick Darkness. What is he speaking of here? What is Moses teaching the people of God? What is really God teaching his people? Well, when did this happen? When did this mountain burn with blazing fire? Well, this happened at Mount Sinai. At Horeb. The mountain was a blazing fire and it was... A demonstration of the power, the awe, and the majesty of the one who speaks. As it tells us in Exodus chapter 19 and verse 16. Exodus 19 and verse 16. And it came to pass on the third day in the morning that there were thunders... And lightnings and a thick cloud upon the mount. And the voice of the trumpet exceeding loud. So that all the people in the camp 
trembled? How would you think you would react if you were before a great mountain? And mountains, they reach up to the heavens. These huge monuments, you could say, of the power and the might of God. It's an amazing thing to think about it when you drive through parts of the world where they're filled with mountains, gorgeous, beautiful parts of the world, and there's trees and valleys and the the beauty of nature, and people could actually think that it's always been like this. It is clear that the heavens and the earth itself even shows forth the handiwork of God. But when we think of mountain, we think of these immovable objects. If we could think of anything that we would think of in this world as immovable and unchangeable often, mountains. Yes, they have been created. But they inspire awe and a show of strength. Great places that reach up to heaven. And here is where God shows You could say pictures of his presence, his power, his awe and his might. Where he speaks from. Why does he speak from such a position? Why does he speak from this burning fire? Why does he speak from a mountain? Why does he speak from place of darkness and clouds and thick darkness? So that we understand that the voice that we hear is a voice where we ought to be in awe. It is a voice of great power. It is a voice of great might and strength. And so the the elements of this world, the most powerful elements of this world are used to show us the great power and strength that is speaking to us, speaking to Moses, speaking to the people of God. God controls the mountains. God controls the waves and the wind and the clouds. Can we? Can we control the mountains? Could we say, I want to move that mountain from here over to there? Can we control fire? Fire is extremely powerful, consuming. It rages, it's intense. Parts of the world, places like Australia, whenever there's a forest fire. The difficulty to contain a fire gives off intense heat, might. People are afraid when they see fire. When we think of the clouds and the darkness, can scientists with all their information, with all their technology, and they try to do this, control the weather? They would love to be able to do so. But they can't. As much as people prepare for the storms, for floods, for all these things, we do not control them. But our God does with his powerful voice. The voice of awe and power. Because it should inspire in us when we hear his voice. When we hear the reading of scripture, 
Yes, in public worship, but in family worship, in our private devotion, it ought to inspire that awe that the great and powerful one, his voice is being heard. And that's how special it is. That we would tremble before. If we come before his presence, there is great power. Think of it another way. If you're at work and your boss is coming to visit you and examine your work, you're trying to, you know they're coming so your work gets a little bit better all of a sudden. And you're a bit nervous when he comes over to examine your work. But here is the one who maintains and sustains all things by the word of his power. This is no ordinary voice. And this is why we cannot be casual in our approaches unto God. And that's something we've lacked, isn't it, in the modern church? A sense of awe. There's so much casualness in prayer, in the public worship of God, and so much of the Western church. But we ought to come before him with great trembling. What was it that John Knox said? That he never once feared the devil, but he always trembled when he came in to the pulpit. Why? Because John Knox knew or had a greater sense of what it meant to come into the presence of God. How much do we respect the voice of God? Children, if you're doing something wrong and all of a sudden you hear your father call your name, all of a sudden you sit up and a sense of fear jumps into you. I think we've all had that. Why? Because you respect your father. You respect your father. There's a sense of fear. A healthy fear I'm speaking about now. Because it's from a place of power. It's from a place of authority. That authority has been placed there by God. To watch over you. To guide you. In exile. Ezekiel. Is away from the homeland. And there's a great picture and image. In Ezekiel chapter 1. Of the power and the throne and the majesty. Even in a place of exile. And then he speaks to Ezekiel. Why does he do all that? To show that God's voice is as powerful outside of the land. As it is in the homeland. God's voice is powerful. Both here in Northern Ireland. As it is in Scotland. As it is in China today. As it is in any other part of the world. Where we see God moving. It's just as powerful. Just as powerful. It says in Ezekiel chapter 1. And verse number 26. Ezekiel chapter 1. And verse number 26 and above the firmament 
that was over the heads of the likeness of a throne as the appearance of a sapphire stone. And upon the likeness of the throne was the likeness of appearance of a man above it. Verse 27. Sorry, verse 28. And as the appearance of the bow that was in the cloud in the day of the rain, so was the appearance of the brightness round about. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell upon my face and I heard the voice of the one that spoke. God wanted Ezekiel to know the power of the one who spoke. Even in exile. Even as they were facing judgment. Even as they had been removed from their land. God's voice was just as powerful. Where is his voice today? We have it. Genesis 1 to the end of Revelation. We are so blessed to have this voice of God. Do we make use of it? This is a powerful weapon against the enemy. It says in Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints of and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Do we believe that? Do we believe that? For the word of God is quick. Quick. That's living and powerful. And sharper than any two-edged sword. This is a mighty weapon. Far powerful, far more powerful than anything the enemy has. And we are in the midst of a battle. A battle for the last 6,000 years. See, it's not just poetry. Sometimes we can read parts of the scripture and think, oh, that's a nice way of describing the word of God. The word of God is all powerful. It is what sustains the sun, the moon, and the stars. All creation obeys the word of God. But we forget that. See, we hear the word of God and think, will I obey that or will I not? It's amazing, isn't it? We're as mere creatures of the dust. And we have these little discussions in our mind whether we will obey God or not. Because we forget the power of the one who commands us. And do we make use of it? Because when I say make use of it, we have the most powerful weapon. Imagine you're going off to fight in a war. What would you think if those brave soldiers during the First World War, Second World War, left down all their guns and all their bayonets and all the th- left their armor down and laid them on the ground and ran toward the enemy? What would you think of that? This is the sword of the spirit. This is a powerful weapon that we meet, need to have. That the devil would love to dispossess us from. Which we need to hide in our hearts. So the voice of awe and power. Number two, the voice of holiness and purity. The voice of holiness and purity. There is something interesting about this voice. Verse 12 
of our text. And the Lord spake unto you out of the midst of the fire. He heard the voice of the words, but saw no similitude. Only he heard a voice. What does this word similitude mean? You saw no form. You saw no image. You saw no likeness. You saw no representation. You saw no semblance. Nothing to represent God. Nothing of this created world was used as a representation of God. Why does this matter? Because our great temptation is to forget the difference between the Creator and everything we see around us. There is nothing in this world that is like God. Nothing in this world. And so often, we wish to compare God to things that are made. Just look at one verse to look at that. Isaiah 40 and verse 18. Isaiah 40 and verse number 18. To whom then will ye liken God? Or what likeness will ye compare unto him? Verse 19, the workman melteth the graven image, and the goldsmith spreadeth it over with gold, and casteth silver chains. You see, the idols of the nations were things made, formed in the mind of man, formed and shaped by the hands of men. What will it do if we compare God with this created world? The maker of heaven and earth is not made. He's not like the things in this world. There is a distinction between the one who made all things and the things that are made. The creator cannot, will not change. The things that are made are continuously subject to change. Well, you've experienced this, haven't you? You put on new clothes, eventually in a year or two, they wear out. Everything around us is subject to change. But God is different. God is separate from His creation. That's what the word holy means. Separate. Set apart. Yes, He commands good things, but more than that, He is different. Set apart. He is infinite. Infinite. And once we begin to compare things of this fallen world... With God, we will corrupt and contaminate how we view God. So it's very clear that Moses is pointing out that this is the voice of holiness. This is the voice of purity. And to bring anything from this fallen world, no matter how impressive it may be, to compare with God, it will corrupt him because of how special the voice of God is. In verse 16... It gives us the reason why we're not allowed to do this. Lest ye corrupt yourselves and make you a graven image. And similitude of some figures, any figure, any figure. The likeness of male and female. It gives other examples. Verse 17, the likeness of any beast that is on the earth. The likeness of any winged fowl that flieth in the air. So anything in this world. No matter how strong and powerful, 
cannot be compared with God. Lest we corrupt ourselves. And this is something that has been challenged a lot in recent years. It's very difficult if you go to a Christian bookshop and there's any book on the topic of Jesus Christ. What do you often see on the cover? Images. Now for most of the Christian church, there was a very clear stance against this practice. There is a problem here. You see, yes we may say, well it's just a picture of his humanity. Dear friends, to depict the one who is both true God and true man, yet one person, is to form an idol. It's to form an idol. Yes, true God, true man, these, these natures are not mixed, they're distinct from each other. But we cannot use our imagination in how we view God. We cannot use our imagination. We must use the scripture. The voice of purity. The voice of holiness. Because he is different. He is different. He is unlike anything we see around us. We cannot compare him to anything we see around us. So when we come to worship. As we come to worship. Does it make sense why we're not to come with our own ideas into the worship of God? Does it make sense why our own ideas in approaching God will contaminate how we view God? It's the very core, very essence of the second commandment. As we approach unto God, how do we worship God? Only as He has told us to do. Something else? It's our ideas. And it will lead to idolatry. A third point. The voice of fullness and plenty. The voice of fullness and plenty. This is the voice of God. It talks about beasts. Likeness of any beast that is on the earth. And some beasts are very strong and powerful. You see various beasts or animals like lions. The powerful, the rule. But we cannot compare God to any of these. Why? Because all of these creatures depend on something outside of themselves. What will happen if they go for a time without food? They will die. Or drink. They will die. They're not sufficient of themselves, unlike God. You see, anything that is in that list talks about in verse 18, the likeness of anything that creepeth on the ground, the likeness of any fish that is in the waters beneath the earth. Verse 19, unless thou lift up thine eyes unto heaven, and when thou seest the sun and the moon and the stars, even all the host of heaven, shouldest be driven to worship them and serve them, which the Lord thy God hath divided unto all nations under the whole heaven. You see, what we will be tempted to do if we do this, 
we will start to think that these things we've compared to God are the true David. And we will wish and seek to go after idols. Idols. We are worshipping creatures, all of us. Every single one of us. The question is, whom do you serve? It's not, do you serve someone or no one? Whom do you serve? Whom do you worship? Oh, there are many celebrities that worship at the idol of self. They think that, some of them even teach this, that they think good things to themselves. If they speak forth happy thoughts, that all things will be attracted towards them. Rich, richness and fame and all these things. They think their own word and their own speech is powerful. But they forget how weak they are. Our voice is weak. It does not have the authority. It falls short. The roar of the lion in the jungle. It falls short. But the difference is. God is fully and completely in himself sufficient of himself he needs nothing outside of himself completely different to everything we see around us everything we see around us you, me, we all depend on other people for help we depend on food we depend on sunlight for health and all these things And to depend on anything that is dependent on anything else is an idol. What happened to the people of God when Moses was in the Mount of God? They began to panic. This is in Exodus chapter 32. They're wondering, where has Moses gone? We are leaderless. What are we going to do? And they formed a golden calf. Now, do we think that they thought, ah, you see this golden calf we formed a few minutes ago? Rescued us out of Egypt. No, they thought this is a representation. This is a similitude. This is a likeness. This is an image of the one who rescued us. But God took it as worship to the image itself. It corrupted how they view God. This is the heart of idolatry. The first commandment is about God comes first. No other God before me. The second commandment is how we view God. It's all about how we view God. We're not in worship. We are not to bring our own ideas. We are limited. We are finite. And we're surrounded by things in this world that are limited, weak, failing. But God is different. God is fully, completely of himself sufficient for every single thing. So when his voice speaks forth, he can answer your prayers. He can. 
He sustains us. He gives us all that we need. Food and drink. Even the difficult things of life. Even the hardships. God has brought those into your life. Not because of any shortcomings and weakness on his side. But all things work together for good. To them that love God. Do you see that? God's hand is not shortened. He is not in any way limited. In creation. He spoke forth and said let there be light. And there was light. That is the voice we obey. That is the voice we love to hear. That is the voice that is comforting. That is the voice that is food and drink to our souls. That is the voice that... that Controls everything we see around us. Because he is the one who is self-sufficient. Of himself. His voice is enough. His voice is enough in the midst of challenge. You could be facing challenges with your children. Maybe they're inside or outside the home. The Lord's voice is enough. Pray to him. Cry out to him. Maybe your challenge is in your career. Maybe you're being pressured to go against your Christian convictions in certain areas. The Lord's voice is enough. The Lord's voice is more powerful than your boss's voice. It's more powerful than the prime minister's voice. It's more powerful than any decision they may make in Stormont or in Westminster or anywhere else. His voice This is the one we cry out to in prayer. This is the one we listen to because his voice is powerful. And so we don't liken him to anything else because he's not like any other creature. He is different. He is all powerful. And so as we look around us in Northern Ireland today, as we see perhaps schools getting worse, We are deeply concerned with the direction of many of these policies coming from government. As we see even churches getting worse. What is the answer? The answer is this voice of fullness and plenty. Yeah, we can do other things. It doesn't mean we just sit in our hands. But him in this battle, in this fight, is the one Who will give us victory. If we have any victory. In our lifetime. It will come through the voice of God. And without that. We will have no victory. Without that. It will continue the way it has been going. This is why we need to depend on him. And our final point. Number four. The voice of inheritance. And possession. The voice of inheritance. And possession. His powerful voice it speaks of our future. Our future. No, I'm not talking about what you'll be doing in 10 years. What career you'll be doing. People spend so much of their lives focused on their careers. But what about eternity? If you could take a drop of water and drop it in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. To compare the drop of water to your life in this world and the Atlantic Ocean... To eternity, it still wouldn't come close. 
We must keep our eyes fixed on eternity. As it says in verses 21 and 22. In verse 21. Furthermore the Lord was angry with me for your sakes. Moses cannot enter into the promised land. And he says the Lord was angry with me for your sakes. And swear that I should not go over Jordan. And that I should not go in unto the good land. Which the Lord thy God giveth thee for, that, for inheritance. For your sakes. God's voice must be followed. Even in the case of Moses, there's consequences. This is done for their sakes. That they would learn, we must follow God. You see, we can get so casual and think, we're saved by grace. Well, it doesn't matter. Just live as we please. These consequences, there's consequences in the life of Moses. Consequences in the life of Solomon. He falls into sin. And there's division in the kingdom after he dies. There's consequences in the life of King David. Yes, he served. Yes, he was saved by grace. But there was consequences for going away from the voice of inheritance and possession. Verse number 22. For I must die in this land, Moses said. And I must not go over Jordan, but ye shall go over and possess that Good land. Moses is really pointing out. Look what happened to me. I can't enter. You can. You will. We can become so distracted by this world. We're traveling through the wilderness. And there will be temptation along that wilderness. And that's what they faced. And they thought. Oh, if only we could go back to Egypt. If only we could enjoy those pleasures once more. And we begin to complain. See, the wilderness is a difficult place. But there's coming a day when there's greater fullness. There's coming a day of heavenly Canaan. There's coming a day when we will pass over that Jordan, and I mean of death, and inherit an inheritance that is the eye hath not seen or the ear heard. Will we focus upon the here and now or will we focus upon eternal truths? Young people, it's, it's hard when you're young to focus on eternity. When you're young, it's hard to even picture your, yourself over the age of 30. But think about eternity. What does the Lord want you to do? How does he want you to serve? You see, we only enter into that inheritance by faith. We don't enter in in unbelief. It, it belongs to us by faith. And you see, what is being taught here to us is a painful lesson that Moses learns. That God is a jealous God. He doesn't share his glory with idols. Verse number 24. For the Lord thy God is a consuming <coughs> fire. Even a jealous God. A consuming fire. 
See, sometimes we think of jealousy as a bad thing in the world. But jealousy is a good thing in the right context. If your husband or wife is talking to someone for too long, you could say, or spending far too much time of someone of the opposite sex, and they're exchanging texts, and they're, they're having this deep and intimate relationship, you would be right to feel jealous over your spouse, over your bride, wouldn't you? The Lord says of you who's been purchased, mine. Mine. He made you. His son died in your place. And he says of you, by his mighty power, mine. And that's a great and wonderful thing. Our God doesn't want to share us with idols. He doesn't give his glory unto the made things of this world. Why would he? Why would he? Is he deceiving your master? Is he your God? Is he your inheritance? Do you say of him, he is my beloved? I belong to him. And when I die, when I leave this world, when I say goodbye to all the temporal possessions I cling to at times, sinfully, will he be yours forever? And see, when you think about it like that, isn't it easier to let go of those things that you're clinging to this evening? There may be something that you're clinging to that no one knows about. Friend, pluck out that sin out of your life. That sin that is robbing you of peace. That sin is robbing you of confidence of where you will go forever. No, you cannot lose your salvation if you're trusted in Jesus Christ. But grievous sin can rob you of assurance. It can rob you of peace. It can rob you of many things. Cling to the Lord. Love His voice. There are many voices in the world. There's the voice of your own heart. There's the voice of the world. And there's the voice of the devil. And then there's the voice of God. Who will you listen to? Whom will you love? Whom will you listen to? The more you listen to certain things, the more it will influence you. So I would encourage you, friends. Trust His voice. See the power of His voice. Spend time listening to His voice. Perhaps... You're maybe exhausted. Put on an audio app, Bible in the background. Whatever it is. Saturate your mind with the scriptures. That he may change you by his power. That he may change you for his glory. Demonstrating to the world around you his might. And remember, he's a jealous God. He says of you. He says of you. Mine. And that's a wonderful thing. That we belong to God by faith in his son the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us pray before Almighty God.